Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. After graduating cum laude from Georgia Court University with a dual major in English and psychology and minors in marketing, Spanish, and philosophy, Trish packed up her 95 Civic and took the scenic route across the country. Having creatively collaborated with the likes of Saturn, beauty brands, and Family Dollar, she now shows others how to make the most of their experience and express their message effectively. When she's not racing all over the Charlotte area, you'll find Trish extolling the virtues of good beer or good tea to anyone who'll listen, cooking with reckless abandon and chasing her redheaded boys through the local parks. Today, we welcome Trish Saman with Go Beyond SEO to our podcast to talk about working with the clients you love. Hey, Trish. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Denise. I appreciate it. Oh, such a delight. I love talking with you. So I have to confess, you have one of the most interesting bios I've ever had a pleasure to introduce a guest with. <laughs> well, I, I guess you could uh, you could call it um, me living my life in an ADD kind of a way, kind of bouncing around and, and uh, lacking that uh, ability to make a, a concise decision, particularly when I was younger. No problem. And I've known you for a little while. And Mm -hmm. um, by a little while, I mean several years. And I know that everything you do has passion involved in it. So this passion, you know, makes me feel like you're the perfect person to speak to about working with clients you love. I know if you're like me, you sometimes get those clients that you're thinking, oh, hand palm, why did I take them on? Oh, yes. Oh yes. Um, and it's, it's funny cause we've, you and I have discussed that and we've also, I think a lot of the same markers I look for in clients that I love, I think you look for too. And it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people look for those markers and I'll be honest, part of the reason that what sparked the passion around this was, um, was anger. <laughs> it wasn't like, Oh, look at all these wonderful, lovely clients that I have. And they're wonderful because most of the lovely, wonderful clients, even if there's a degree of high maintenance, if it's, if they're considerate of you and if they are reasonable about, Hey, I know I'm putting a rush on this. You might need to charge me extra for the rush, but I do need it. Even if they're kind of a, a pain in that regard, if you're considered as a, a mutual professional, if you're seen as a colleague, or treated as a colleague, as an equal, you're kind of willing to look the other way when sometimes there's a mess. Um, It's the ones who are abjectly disrespectful or take advantage that they become the clients that you don't love. And it bleeds into your personal life too. I'm sure you've dealt with that too, where you have people in your life that not only from a professional standpoint, but from a personal standpoint, like you, you don't have manners. (laughs) It's time. It's time for you to move on. I'm sure you've dealt with that, have you not? Oh, absolutely. And I think um, my one of my measures is also, you know, do, is the client willing to value you? And that comes mm-hmm. not just in the form of how they speak, but uh, paying appropriately, absolutely, and on time as well. Oh so yes. For you, what makes the perfect client? So. In addition to the the logistics, like you said, you know, they pay on time, 
they recognize the value of what you do. Two key factors that I look for is, can I actually really help them? And that one was a really big linchpin for me. Like, is this somebody for whom I can do my best work? Because maybe you can tie it to ego, but I think everybody really likes to do their best work. So discerning fit was a really, really important component of making sure that I want to work with this person and that they're going to be a client that I love to work with because they get happy when I do great work. If I get them lots of leads, they're like, Trish, you're the greatest. And it, it, it is a bit of an ego thing. I really love that. The other side of it is um, it's really more of a vibe and a connection. Like, can I, and again, I don't mean necessarily that I'm breaking bread with every single client that I have. A lot of them that happens, but that's not always the case. But is there a mutual respect? Is there the opportunity to have conversations when something goes sideways, when something's a little strange, or you have to have the hard conversation with them that part of their process or part of their sales, because of course I'm in marketing, but part of their sales process is broken. And having them trust you as an advisor and say, you don't have to do what I say, but this is something you're going to want to look at and have that feedback respected, even if it isn't necessarily applied. So those are some of the factors. Again, like you said, the logistics, paying on time, respecting uh, deadlines, you know, just those basic working relationship logistics matter. And they matter a lot. But the, the two main lo- things that I look for is, do I actually want to work with this person? Do I have that connection? Do they respect me? Do I, you know, do I respect them? Do I respect what they do and their approach to their business? And then can I do really great work for them? That's, those are the two real linchpins for me. I mean, what are, what are the ones for you? Like what's a perfect client for you? Well, I will answer that, but what really struck with me with what you just said is about the fit and I have mm-hmm. to share this is that we really, my company really struggled with that for a while. Mm-hmm. We had cast such a wide net that we were doing everything in, under the sun, but we weren't doing it all well. Mm-hmm. Okay? <clears throat> and while we still do have a wide berth because we have a wide range of talent, we now have some very defined areas that we work in and some very defined areas where I say, no, we're, 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 we don't do that. That's not our sweet spot. Matter of fact, we've referred those to you in some cases. <laughs> right. So, um, so as far as the ideal client for me, so I just wanted to throw that out there. So as far as the ideal client for me, again, that fit is important and it's starting to become more and more obvious because we get a lot of clients who don't know what they want and that's not necessarily not a fit. Right. Okay. But having the fit comes in where they're, they realize that they've hired you for a reason and they're willing to listen to what you have to say and then pick a direction. I think the the ones that we've, I think, I think I've done better at defining the ones that aren't a fit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just say that the ones who are always um, testing the waters in different directions, those are not a good fit because it just creates so much stress within my team when we don't have a consolidated direction to go. Not that we shouldn't ever change direction, but when it feels like we're casting to the five directions of the wind, that's not a good fit. No. And, and as another company that offers multiple services, we, we found that there's, again, I'm just speaking for my own company and my own experience, but I would imagine that you've run into the same issue. And that is when you cast a wide net, 
from multiple different verticals, you are basically reinventing the wheel every single time. You have a brand new business offering every time you're, well, for lawyers, we can do everything. And then it's like, well, is it for family law or is it for immigration law? Like there's so many different kinds. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to now work with this restaurant and we're going to, you know, post all their social media. And it's, you can make yourself crazy because the process varies so widely when you have multiple service offerings from multiple different verticals. So what I have found is that if you have multiple service offerings, niche it down to a few different verticals because then you know what their needs are and you can repeat and scale. Or you offer one really great service to everybody out there. And then I have found that that balance of not going for every single vertical under the sun and offering everything under the sun. Because marketing is a very wide berth. It can be everything from putting your logo onto a, a pen or a piece of paper to, you know, writing skywriting and putting things on billboards when completely opposite sides of the spectrum. And I don't fit in either one of those, you know, ours is very much a very unique service offering. And yet digital marketing is a very wide space as well. It is. So what we have found is that if you are Coca-Cola or monster energy drink, I'm probably not the firm for you. It's just not, it's not that I wouldn't be able to offer some insight. You know, when you have marketing expertise, there's really not too many marketing problems they can throw at you that you can't handle. But as far as having the scalable process inside my own company to be able to offer a true service offering, that's the big difference right there. So once we figured out that being truly all things to all people is when you're nothing to nobody. So we found that, you know, narrowing our service offering offering a step-by-step system to a finite amount of people really worked best for us from a, from a scaling standpoint. And uh, I imagine you ran into similar problems, you know, cause you guys really do offer so many. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you guys are also counselors. Cause I'm like, guys, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so you offer therapy. There's a line item for that. Our is a little bit different than virtual assistant, but it's fine. So <laughs> Yeah, we do have a wide berth. And and I would agree with you. And we are actually, interestingly enough, working on some of those very strategically um, pinpoint focused verticals mm-hmm. uh, right now. They have not rolled out yet. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to say anything else about it, but we are working on that. So that's kind of interesting that you mentioned that. Now, the one thing that I didn't mention when I did your intro is that you're actually a dual business owner. Yes. Yes, I am. They are connected though. So a lot of it, you know, there is definitely a, a connection between the two, um, you know, go beyond SEO and then uh, true North, which is really more of an entrepreneurial education uh, offering where under the umbrella of true North, there's a couple of different entrepreneurial courses that we're uh, offering as well, which is kind of, kind of fun all off the back of, you know, the school of hard knocks and some, some undergrad education too. So, yeah. And that being familiar with true North, um, that is something that where I kind of got the idea of, Hey, let's talk to Trish about working with the clients you love, because don't you offer a whole course on that? I do actually, it's called <laughs> get more clients you love. Um, and <laughs> the idea behind it being that there's um, a mindset piece that is tied to one, the, you know, that whole concept of the imposter syndrome where you don't deserve 
to work or to charge as much as you want to charge or work oh, with the yes. clients that you want. Yes. I mean, yes. we all struggle with, you know, why do people even trust me? Why, how can I actually call myself an expert or um, that say out loud that this is my strength? And, you know, we all kind of fight with, and then we have moments where we're not as strong as we would like to be, or uh, for some reason, a weakness is um, made more visible. And then all of a sudden you're like, I should have never done this. I really should have stayed at home under a blanket with a flashlight and never come out. And all of us struggle with that. We have those moments and entrepreneur, entrepreneurial activities is like the ultimate version of putting yourself out there in a business sense, because if your business fails, it's because you failed, you know, I mean, there's, it's very vulnerable. It's very public. Whereas if you go work for a company that has, you know, a thousand employees or 10,000 employees, you are one of the people that works there. And if it didn't work out, it didn't work on, you moved on. And if the company failed, it's not your fault. So, you know, even though my company is small and certainly not as large as say a Wells Fargo or something like that, if it doesn't work, it's very much on my face. It's very much on my chin, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, reaching out from an entrepreneurial standpoint is very, uh, you know, it's very tricky. So when we, when we put together, get more clients you love, uh, the idea was to twist our mindsets into such a way that we are confident enough in ourselves to be very laser focused about what it is that we want and what it is that we're good at. And part of the reason why business owners are generalists is because they're not really sure where they fit yet. And once they figure out where they fit, they start to get scared about how much they deserve to put themselves into that very specified box. You know, it's, it's not unlike I'm um, going to Bergdorf Goodman's versus Walmart. Like you go into like a really she, she store. Like, do you belong there? Everybody belongs to Walmart. Nobody ever questions whether or not, I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of the, the stuff online where you show people in their like underwear and they show up to Walmart. Like there's kind of a, you know, like let everybody in there and there's no, no real barometer for whether or not you belong there. But there are certain stores that you can go to that you feel like, oh, you know, do I, and maybe this is just me, but I'm like, I don't know, man, they're a little, they're a little ritzy and fancy in here. I start to get self-conscious. We can feel that way entrepreneurial in an entrepreneurial sense as well, where when you go to kind of like a general networking group and you're like, hey, this is what I do. I'm just a bookkeeper or, you know, I'm just a marketer. I'm just the course teaches you to take the word just right out of it. Mm-hmm. And that there's no, re- you don't need to justify anything. And that is the truth. So there's a bit of mindset work and there's a bit of, you have to over kind of get over yourself and get over whatever limiting beliefs you've put on yourself. But in addition to that, it's not just all the woo woo, like meditate your way out of, you know, your own limiting beliefs. There's an element of that. Cause frankly, I think all of us need an element of that. But then behind it, there's really some marketing fundamentals that a lot of people who didn't train themselves in marketing are not as familiar with marketing, or it's not an area where they're naturally comfortable. There's a step-by-step process in there on how to define your market. And I don't mean like, oh, well, I like to target women between the ages of 29 and 59. I'm like, right, because women at 29 and 59 make decisions in exactly the same way. No, they don't. So, um, you know, narrowing it down to who is it that you serve truly? And then helping you define now that you've figured out who it is that you truly serve, 
How do they need to hear from you? What language do you use? How do you speak to them? Do you ask them questions? Do you make statements? Do you challenge them or do you coax them and collaborate with them? What, what's the best way that really will change depending on who you're talking to? And then where to share, where are they? Where are these people that you need to target that are going to be your best clients? The ones that absolutely want to work with you, that are your perfect fit. Well, where do they hang out? Are they on Facebook? Are they on Pinterest? Or are they on LinkedIn? Like, where are they? And why are you in every medium out there if your best clients aren't on every medium out there? It's a great way to go broke is to put yourself on every single medium out there. <laughs> and then I teach people how to you know, measure their metrics, like figure out how, to, how do I manage this? How do I know if it's working? That's the biggest thing with marketing. How do I know if it's working? And I teach you how to do that. So in addition to some mindset work, which is the love part, I also teach you how to actually get the clients too. So there's a, a, a balancing act of not just, I need leads, I need leads, I need leads, but I need the right leads where I can cherry pick the ones I want to work with and really truly scale my business and build processes around, you know, satisfying those clients who fit within that niche. So I know it's very, that was a very thorough answer, I guess. No, so. that's what I wanted. So it's, it's a combination of mindset and practical application steps. Exactly right. As well as the the why behind it. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Yep. Perfect. So who is this course geared for? So it's funny that you say that because originally I had found most of the people that I network with, and it didn't start off this way, but most of the people I network with since I've written the course were actually women. I'm, you know, member of a couple of different uh, business organizations that are centered towards women And one of the biggest things that I keep hearing was that they really love to undercharge for their services, big fans of doing that. Mm -hmm. And they'll work with people and they'll get browbeaten typically by dudes, but actually can get browbeaten by other women as well um, for not doing what they say or charging too much, or who do you think you are and this kind of stuff. And some of it is not actually explicitly said to them. They just feel it because of their own limiting beliefs or somebody says some kind of nuance, like, well, I mean, I guess if you want to do it that way, and then they're ruminating for three weeks, like, what did they mean by that? Does that mean I I shouldn't do it that way? And they start questioning themselves and questioning themselves. And I don't know what it is culturally or historically why women in particular really love to question themselves. Well, lo and behold, Trish turns out she's sexist because it isn't just ladies who do that. Dudes do it too. <laughs> so here I am promoting this in, in most arenas that I feel like that's a, a fairly uniquely female problem. And it turns out it's not. So while I did gear it towards um, women, it turns out that I've got a, a bunch of dudes who are taking the course as well. So, nice. which is awesome. And the unifying factor there is that the kinds of clients that they take on, it's rarely um, like they come in and they buy tires and then leave, or they come in, they buy some product and then you never have any conversation with them again. The people where getting more clients you love matters the most is when you're doing repeat project work for them or you're on some kind of a retainer. So that's why I mentioned bookkeepers earlier. Bookkeepers are a great one for this course Because one, marketing is not typically their wheelhouse. Um, I know because as a marketer, bookkeeping is not really my wheelhouse. So I'm like, please don't bring me spreadsheets. I'm going to suck my thumb and cry. It'll be really bad. So um, (laughs) it's it's, it's ugly to put me in front of that stuff. Like I can sort of read it enough, but then I have to walk away and like take a little breather. Like I can't deal with the spreadsheets. 
So um, I have found that a lot of times with bookkeepers or people in that similar vein have a hard time putting into words the true problem they solve. They're like, well, I reconcile books and I do that all the time. Like, no, you take stress away from people like me. That's what you do. You give me the opportunity to, to take a deep breath and still run my business and make wise decisions. That's what you do for me. So that it's a, a distinction. I'm sorry. I feel like you're going to say something. And I keep, I keep chatting. You know, I, well, what you're saying, right? Okay. Interestingly enough, I'm reading the book, Simon, um, Simon Sinek, Start With Why. Start what with you why, just yeah. translated there about the bookkeeper is exactly what he says. Start with mm-hmm. the why you do what you do instead of the what. The first mm-hmm. description you gave was the what, you know, right. I do X, Y, Z. Right. Why is because I relieve stress from you so that you can do what you love. Yep. And it's a huge why. And I think that people do tend to, in their marketing even, make the mistake of talking about what we call features. Like I work in QuickBooks or I work in Zero, or I make brilliant spreadsheets in Excel and they're just beautiful. And then, and all the cells are written out perfectly. And I love formulas. And it's like, okay, you lost me. I still, I don't know. Um, can you like do it? Cause that's what I need to know. <laughs> can you do it? Can you do it? Can you answer questions when I need questions answered? Can you reconcile my book? Sure. But the reason why I need that is because A, it would take me a lot longer. B, I would probably do it wrong. And, and C, it will stress me out to the point that I'm snapping at my family because I'm in spreadsheet land. And you don't, yeah. I don't want to be there. So no. you offer me something that gives me not only my time back, but it gives me the time I want back. So yes, yeah, starting with the why is huge. Me and Simon, we hang out in the same circles. He and I were... <laughs> For sure, you know, I mean, sure. most of what he knows I taught him, but I'm not really that girl where I'm like that filled with hubris that I taught Simon Sinek everything he knows, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've never <laughs> met the man. <laughs> yeah, I just found that so, interesting that you said that. So it all Oh, no, he's great. I, I've quoted him a bunch of times. He's, uh, he's great. He's really got a, a, a grip on the human condition and, and how to move things forward. He's a, he's a great author. Well, um, makes me feel good about spending my time reading the book because yes, trust me, my one. time is premium. Yes, yes. <laughs> days. Do, I think he's a good one. Simon's yes. a good one. So, what? Yeah. I, just to kind of recap, because we talked about a lot of different things, but they all relate. The perfect client goes to first of all your worth um, mm-hmm. and your value, and ensuring that your clients see that. It goes to your marketing and how you're sharing your message and attracting those clients to you as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did I That's miss? Right. Well, I, I try to think of it in terms of the M's. Like you've got to have your mindset right. You have to define your market. You have to then craft your message to that market while not self-effacing. So you keep your mindset strong, target your market and speak to them as they need to be spoken to. Much like you would talk to a 14-year-old versus a four-year-old. The message may be we're going to dinner, but how you share that and when you share that varies. You know, it, it really just, it just matters. A four-year-old, if you say you're going, I don't know, Chuck E. Cheese or wherever four-year-old want to go, you have to leave at that moment. So anybody who's got kids, you understand. You can't say like, we're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese on Tuesday and it's Sunday. Like that's, you will get asked, when do we go to Chuck E. Cheese? 87 times between then and leaving for Chuck E. Cheese. Whereas with a 14-year-old, while they might be super excited to go to that same place as well, say, hey, we're going to get some friends together and we're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Again, the message at its core is the same, but how it's delivered and when it's delivered varies depending on the need and where that particular person is. Same things happens in business. So getting back to the M's, mindset, 
market message medium, which is where do I put that? Is does it need to be in the newspaper? And before everyone's like newspaper, what is the newspaper? There are still people. There is a demographic, and depending on what you sell and to whom, the newspaper isn't necessarily the worst place to be. So, you know, do I belong on Facebook? Do I belong on Facebook ads? Is Instagram worth my time? Should I have an email list? What medium should you be utilizing? And then the last M is kind of a combination of measure and manage. So those are the the five M's that, and I am going to, you know, add a sales module, which doesn't have an M in it, except for maybe money. So maybe I'll call (laughs) the next sales module money, how to make it, how to sell all this stuff. So that's, I'm actually probably going to drop that. I I promised my students already, so I can't say probably in October of 2020. So that's the plan to hopefully get it out there. Sales module. They're kind of chomping at the bit. They're like, woman, get it out here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So how do folks find you now? So uh, there's a couple of ways. Um, they either find me on LinkedIn or they find me through go beyond, or they find me through um, other forms of social media. So on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, like I said, on LinkedIn. Um, And if they are listening to your podcast and they want to find this course, um, they can just go to trishsamen.com, get dash more dash clients dash you dash love. And Samen is S-A-E-M-A-N-N. So that's how they can find me if they want. And I'm on there. Um, and I'm a, it's, it's funny. I love the picture that I have on that page too. Cause I'm like, um, I really don't look like that every day. <laughs> like I like the way I'm dressed in that picture. And, 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 you know, these days it's a little more, it's a little more pajama laden I have found. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's the case for everybody though. I think you're correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're in our comfy clothes while we're on Zoom and That's right. other video stuff. That's right. As long as we're dressed from the waist up. Yes, exactly. As long as we're covered, it's uh, it's okay. I think everybody's in that same boat. Absolutely. Well, Trish, it has been a pleasure having you on the show today. Oh, you I'm so have, thankful. You have shared so much, and I really hope that our listeners find it of value and that they're able to find you Um, because I I promise you that this course will be worth your time to at least look into. Yeah. I I put a lot of heart and soul into it. And, um, and again, it's got those marketing tactics, but it really did speak to, it took me a while to get to that mindset spot. This wasn't coming from a lofty, I know things all, all, you know, I've got it all figured out. I got this part figured out, but it took a lot of, uh, a lot of tears to kind of get there. So there was a lot of, a lot of love went into it. And I've absolutely been in that spot where like you're with that client, like, why am I even doing this anymore? So it, it definitely came from that spot. And Denise, you have been such a tremendous resource for me over the years. I so value our friendship and I so value your role in go beyond in my life. And I, um, I'm just really glad to know you. Well, thank you. The feeling is mutual. So again, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.